We live in an interconnected world where the questions are complex, and so we have babble undone. And it exists to have a conversation about issues of interest to all of us or um, maybe things that make you a little little curious. I'm Johnny Moore. I'm the co-host alongside Archbishop Joseph D'Souza. I'm an American evangelical leader. He leads the Good Shepherd Movement and the All India Christian Council. He comes from the East. I come from the West. So naturally, we meet in London. Bishop D'Souza, what are we going to talk about today? Well, if we are going to talk about confusing conversations, then you knew we would eventually get to the issue of politics. How is a orthodox Christian supposed to engage with the public square? And how are those uh, who are in elected office meeting the challenges that they have? Is it actually possible to be a politician and an orthodox Christian? Should Christians compromise their convictions in order to achieve a greater good or stay immovable on their values and other convictions? These are very hard questions, unavoidable questions, and I think we'll deal with some of them today. And our our guest today uh, is an incredibly influential figure, and he's an expert in this area, not not just because of uh, his experience uh, in politics, but because of the experience he's had when his Christian faith at the highest level uh, has um, met politics. Uh, Tim Farron is a member of Parliament since 2005 in the United Kingdom. He's the former leader of the Liberal Democrats in the United Kingdom. He's the author of A Mucky Business, Why Christians Should Get Involved in Politics. And he's the host of Premier's extremely popular podcast, A Mucky Business. When you um, listen to his podcast, uh, you'll hear from leaders uh, all over this country and region, all over the world. He is easily one of the most prominent Christians in global politics in the world, and he is with us now. Uh, Tim, our, our Christian audience, it's diverse, it's global, and so uh, not not every everyone uh, in, in this conversation with us uh, today is as familiar with uh, with Tim Farron as uh, Bishop D'Souza and, and I am. And so... Um, so let, let me just let me just ask you a very simple. You can make it as metaphysical as you want. All right. <laughs> Who is Tim Ferrett? Or you can make it as practical as you want. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Well, I mean, so on a, a kind of earthly basis, I am a 53 year old gentleman living in the northwest of England, just outside the Lake District. I'm from Lancashire, which is slightly south of where I'm currently the member of Parliament for a place called Westmoreland and Lonsdale. It includes Windermere, which is probably the most famous place that I represent. I've been the Member of Parliament for 18 years. Fantastic. I'm a Liberal Democrat, um, which, yeah, sort of centre-left Liberal, um, I think. Somebody who thinks that a mixed economy is a good thing, private sector business is a good thing. But I think it's important to club together as a community to make sure you've got good health care, good roads, a good police force, good schools, good basic services, welfare state. That's really important people's freedom i'm uh, I, I got involved in politics as a kind of very idealistic 16 year old became a christina a christian at 18 um it's not all been plain sailing but i seek to be a faithful christian um i try not to put a label on it um people would call me an evangelical christian i guess that's right i prefer orthodox um uh, although i haven't got a long beard uh, long beard uh but um uh, so so yeah i'm married to rosie we have four children three of whom are, well, 
Are they ever grown up? Anyway, four, <laughs> four, 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 four children, all of them in education of one kind or another. Three of them higher education, one of them still at the back end of school. So, well, wonderful. Uh, I also describe myself as an Orthodox uh, Christian team, so welcome to the club, uh, <laughs> even though uh, I belong to an Anglican communion. Uh, these days, uh, w- words are of all kinds of meanings, right? They certainly do. Yeah. Uh, um, you, uh, you know, in the, in the crisis or challenge or whatever way we describe it, when you resigned from your leadership of your party, yeah. uh, you said to be a political leader, especially of a progressive liberal party in 2017, and to live as a committed Christian, to hold faithfully to the Bible's teaching has felt uh, impossible for me. So, um, so can, I, can, you, can you amplify that? Uh, what did yeah. you mean? Well, arguably the most important words in that statement were the, the last two, for me. <laughs> okay. I think a more competent and wise person than me could have handled it. And I think you may or may not have spoken to my friend, um, and political opponent, but definitely friend and sister in Christ, Kate Forbes, who's the uh, was the candidate for the leadership of the Scottish National Party, who I think handled it more recently far better than me. But in the end, I think I had not prepared properly for the kind of uh, scrutiny that I would get as a Bible believing Christian, as a um, as a as a leader of a political party, uh, and I think the reason why a kind of liberal centre left party maybe has more of a but it's more of a challenge um, is because sometimes people will assume in the culture war that it's okay, it's kind of okay for a conservative politician to have the apparently socially conservative views that Christianity might uh, bestow upon you. And so you might get mocked for it, but it kind of doesn't it doesn't seem counterintuitive um, for a conservative politician uh, to accept what the Bible says on things like sex. And uh, and so it's harder and more discombobulating um, for the public, particularly a kind of left of centre public, um, to think that it's kind of all right for their leaders or for their politicians to think that what the Bible says is true and to seek humbly to be faithful to it. So I then say it's for me, because the better way of dealing with what I went through was actually to be a lot more upfront about my faith early on and be prepared to lose as a consequence. I think the danger is I was probably a little bit, how shall we say, um, nervous of what people might say and think about me. Um, I wasn't hiding that I was a Christian, but I wasn't, I think, um, as open with people as I perhaps should have been about what my faith entails. So I, I think that for Christians in politics, the most important thing is you be careful, be wise, you know, uh, martyrdom is an is a valuable and wondrous thing, but don't go volunteering <laughs> for it. Um, um, and um, but but you know, you need to be open with people and put your cards on the table. Um, Tim, I had a follow up question to that because when you said for me, and then of course your Christian experience, and this uh, has bothered me. Um, did did your Christian upbringing, faith, and teaching, or whatever uh, you went through? Uh, in the, in your formation, uh, did it prepare you with an adequate uh, political theology to to have the role or to deal with the kind of stuff, or or are we failing younger politicians who might want to be politicians in that the church doesn't seem to have 
you know, done as good a job uh, as it should have done in this area? Well, look, I take full responsibility for, you know, what I... Um, what I did and didn't do, but uh, and you know for what it's worth, I mean I spent a shortish time as the party's leader, but I did manage to rescue us from the pits. We increased our number of seats from eight to twelve. We survived a time when we could have gone into non-existence. So I don't think um, my time as leader is anyway wasted. Um, but I but I do think that so first of all I was brought up in a loving, wonderful household. Um, but we were not brought up uh, in the Christian faith specifically. We weren't brought up as atheists. We weren't brought up in the Christian faith um, through God's grace. I stumbled across it at 18, stumbled my way through university, being faithful, and then stumbled into backsliding when I got into my 20s, um, <laughs> coming back to a relationship with Christ when I was, what, 32? I'm now 53. Um, so, uh, and one of the reasons why I do what I do now is because I think it's important as you say, that we do equip um, young people, people who are Christians in politics or thinking about politics to be wise about how they approach it. How do we think about these issues? How do we think about politics? Very often people are scared of it. Yeah. Uh, they think, as I use my phrase, uh, that it's a mucky business. They think it's just beneath um, Christians. They think we might get polluted by being involved in it. Yes, we might. Um, but I also argue that it is an important way of serving people and loving the world whilst not being uh, part of it. So I think we don't do enough to equip um, Christians to enter or even think about politics. And that's something I'm seeking to try and do a little bit to help sort out. Oh, wonderful. You know, it's it's um, definitely uh, where I am in, in the United States. The, <clears throat> the prevailing response now is... Uh, is exactly this like if you're if you're a believing um evangelical you're sort of like all in and all politics or you're out of the process um out of the process entirely and we end up we're in this very weird bifurcated um bifurcated time and we don't really have you know this this uh um we don't really have a political party uh, in the US that really encapsulates the full evangelical view to be um, uh, to to be uh, solidly on some of the social issues, and yet also on the social justice issues, and you know all, all of these things, and so it's it's uh, it's it, it's very interesting to me hearing hearing you talk. But but my my question is really, is it really that you were not um, public and you know you're a very humble person to be as influential as you have been and are. Um, but is it really that you were not so public about your um, about the implications of your Christianity, or is it uh, as you became older, your convictions um, strengthened you? Uh, sometimes we see that phenomenon. Mm. No, I mean, I, so first of all, I was not in any way uh, backwards about coming forwards about my my Christian faith. It was a a known fact about me. So I had I had. Uh, we'll use the phrase I had unbackslid at the age of 32 and that was two and a half years before I got elected to Parliament so I had kind of almost like the zeal of the reconvert um, and I thought you know, when I got elected to Parliament I very quickly got involved in Christians in, in Parliament uh, which I'm still very involved with and that is a fellowship body rather than a kind of political one and I was in prayer groups with Conservative and Labour MPs and I still am um, and, and so you know, people knew about this but I think because I wasn't somebody who, um, you know, who, who would 
on the whole well no i wouldn't i was somebody who, i was somebody who voted um permissively to a degree because i do take the view that it's not the job of christians in politics to legislate to make people who are not christians live as though they were um so for example as much as i really really was anguished over the same-sex marriage legislation really anguished about it i didn't actually ever vote against it um and uh, even but it was obviously also clear that i felt that the bible taught something different and and so i think that but once i became leader um it became interesting uh for people so literally on my first morning as leader i got completely toasted uh by um uh, a, a couple of journalists and that happened again during the election campaign two years later um and that's where i think i wasn't prepared but i think the thing is people we, we live in a religiously relatively religiously illiterate age and people know much less about the bible than they did 30 40 years ago even those who didn't go to church 34 years 30 or 40 years ago would have known something about its teachings on these matters and so it, it kind of surprised people how can this bloke say he's a liberal and and believe what the bible says about sex for example yeah um I, 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 and tim you know um of those of us who are not in politics but keenly follow politics we we see that there is uh, there's a lack of a level playing uh, field in terms of people's religious alliances and what uh, what questions are asked of them etc so mm. somebody from another faith whom most people are very very careful not to touch uh, mm. uh, they don't get this kind of uh, pressure to come out and uh, uh, what's your view on this and then they don't get toasted and roasted yeah. because uh, they're very careful not to go there with other faiths but very very open in spite of the background that's there of a nation that was built by a Christian civilization mm. to target a Christian uh, Christian politicians so uh, the question that I have is yeah. do you think there is a ceiling for orthodox Christians in in certain democracies I think there are two really important questions there, so we'll come to the ceiling in a minute. Yes. Um, the first thing is trying to understand, so is it true objectively uh, in the West, certainly in the UK, that a person who holds to an Orthodox Christian faith will receive more scrutiny than somebody who holds another faith? Yes, I think that's probably true. And, and why is the important question. And I don't want to kind of give society an excuse here so much but just to make an explanation you talked about these societies have been based on christian teaching that's why you see we might know that to be a christian is generally speaking to be a minority it is to live against the grain of the world but to the neutral observer if you like to, to the world christianity looks like the establishment doesn't it um we have a king who's a defender of the faith um we have prayers at the beginning of parliament every day we have a church of england you know, yeah. so there's this assumption that Christianity is the establishment and that therefore much more likely to be fair game. So I think that explains it. Doesn't make it right. Um, and we can certainly say that uh, one of the, whilst we officially have Christianity as a state religion, in practice, the state religion in the United Kingdom is a kind of lazy atheist agnosticism, the assumption that there's not a God. That's the working assumption. And that's just as wrong. <laughs> Um, as having a state, um, you know, Christian religion or Islamic religion, um, because it's assume, it's assuming that there's neutrality. There is no neutrality. 
No. Um, if in a real liberal society, we have to accept that there isn't a neutral space. We've just got to learn to get along with each other um, in the process. And then the second thing you said about there being a ceiling. Well, in one sense, kind of, but that isn't that the, isn't that the deal. Um, we're told if we follow Jesus, we will have trouble. Um, we're told to rejoice in persecution. Now, the persecution we receive in the West and in the UK especially, it's pretty light. <laughs> I wouldn't count it as persecution compared to our brothers and sisters in much of the world. But do we get grief and stick for being faithful? Yes, and we're meant to rejoice. We're not meant to whine about being cancelled. Um, we're meant to turn the other cheek. Uh, and turning the other cheek isn't running away. It's standing your ground, but being gracious at the same time. So, um, And I would say if there is a, a ceiling for Christians in politics, it's pretty high. I got to be the leader of my party. Um, Kate uh, Forbes got to be within 4% of being the leader of hers and therefore the first minister of one of our nations. Um, so I think it is, it's, it, it's, not, it's certainly not a bar. It's a challenge. And so it should be. Yeah. Following on from your comment about, and I, I hold to that view, that uh, we cannot legislate the Ten Commandments or the Christian framework to a secular society. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about this. You, you voted on something that your, your faith and you personally didn't agree to. Mm. But this necessary compromise that politics calls for when you're working across the board and trying to govern a country. Mm. How do you feel uh, that compromise uh, can be done by those uh, who say they are cons uh, orthodox Christians? It's a challenge. You've got to make judgments. You've got to be prayerful about it. And I'm not saying that I reach the right conclusions and other Christians who voted other ways have reached wrong conclusions. Um, I think that you've got to be prayerful about this. Um, I think that there is, um, you know, throughout time, I mean, even, you know, in the Bible itself, where you see divorce uh, spoken of by Jesus as a sin, but permitted in the Mosaic law. And um, so there's an acceptance that, you know, we will in the secular sphere and Christianity and a Christian worldview almost is unique in allowing there to be a secular world sphere. There is something um, there. There is a way of uh, governing society um, out with simply a kind of priestly structure. Uh, so I think that and, I th and in the end, it is a, it's a judgment we have to make. Um, the danger is. Uh, and I would say I think the two dangers for Christian when it comes to politics are that we hide away and achieve nothing and become hermits. Um, that is very safe, um, but I also think it's good. Um, and the other is to blend in. Um, and the motivation when it comes to being, to blending in is that you're basically being people pleasers and it's easy to say the thing that people want to hear. So I'm not saying I always make the right judgment, but I, and, 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 and whilst I think it's a nice, easy line and one that I've used you know, obviously, <laughs> in this podcast, um, uh, that you know, Christian politicians are not there to legislate to make non-Christians behave as though they were. Nice line. I broadly agree with it. Having said that, we do bring our values to the table. Um, you'd, and, and one of the accusations, or one of the silly things that people say to us, and it really is a silly, not clever thing to say, is that well, you know, you believe what you like, but keep it private. Don't bring it into the public sphere. You know, well. A Marxist's going to do that then. <laughs> our, our free market monetarist's going to do that then, and just go into every room and every 
Senate chamber and every parliament empty-headed. No, of course you're not. We all bring our worldviews with us. Yeah. Um, and then we have to make a judgment you know, the, <clears throat> as to the extent to which we can apply it in the secular world. You know, the, the New, New Testament is filled with these uh, in, incredible, pithy words of advice in this area where it says, um, as you were t- uh, talking to him, I remember um, uh, the verse uh, uh, in Galatians, if you if you um, care about the opinions of people, you can't be a servant of Jesus, right? And mm. and uh, and of course, God wants us to be gracious. I loved what you said moments ago when you said, you know, we're to turn the other cheek. Yeah, <laughs> when you said we're to we're to turn the other cheek, um, mm. but we're also to stand our ground and to do it graciously. And I, I I don't think that's the mentality of a lot of people. I think a lot of people think that turning the other other cheek is just just taking it, you know, rather than um, uh, articulately um, believing that their faith is reasonable. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's reasonable to be a believing Orthodox, um, Orthodox Christian. I, I'm a little curious of your view. Um, you know, you're, you're a member of Parliament in the United Kingdom. Um, as you look across the big pond into the, into the United States um, without, without uh, interjecting yourself in, in American politics, um, what what do you think uh, religious um, Christians, uh, um, you know, how, how should they be doing things the same or differently uh, based upon your experience in, in countries like America? Mm. Well, I, so my, my observation is uh, obviously very shallow. Never been to the States. Would absolutely love to. Um, I, um, you know, I love America. Clearly, your cultural influence over here is hugely significant. Um and in many ways, I, I love the fact that it's a country where people can and do wear their faith on their sleeve. And, and, and you know, often say in the, in the UK, to be a successful politician, it is said that you've got to pretend you don't believe in God. And to be successful in the United States, you've got to pretend that you do believe in God. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm not sure if that's true, but it's... Uh, I, I think it may be true, actually. There's some truth. <laughs> There's some truth. But, but what I do notice is that what what, what troubles me, and you, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a socialist, but I call myself, you know, cent- a centre-left uh, liberal. Um, I, I, but ignoring that for a moment, as somebody who wants people to respond to the gospel, to hear it and respond to the gospel, I, I do worry about what appears to be this polarisation in the states, um, where evangelicalism is kind of the possession of one part of one party, and therefore. You know, 50% of the country and probably 80% of the under 35s have their fingers in their ears when it comes to the gospel. Um, uh, forgive me if I'm misquoting him, but it was an absolute honour to have Russell Moore on my podcast uh, yeah. a year or so ago. And I think he's, I think the, he said words to the effect of, incendiary words to the effect of that he delivered very graciously. Um, uh, liberal Christianity is a heresy, and so is Christian nationalism. Forgive me if I have misquoted him. I think that, and I think that's a rebuke we need to be aware of and my de- if you, what tends to be the case is that um i mean to be an orthodox christian is to take those last few words of the book of revelation seriously you do not subtract and you do not add um and t- it tends to be the left wants to subtract it wants to um say oh there's not really sin there's not really judgment we don't need an atonement you know all those sorts of things and the right tends to add stuff it can't possibly accept that grace is enough for us so we've got to add uh, you know guns and flags and all that kind of malarkey and all sorts of rules and rights and uh and uh everything else and and i know i'm being very simplistic there but i think you get what i'm what i'm getting at and my my concern with uh what is seen as certainly white american christianity 
is that it isn't as biblical as it thinks it is and and therefore I think it's doing a disservice to the gospel and we all need to be properly humble properly repentant recognize that we are wrong a lot of the time in our politics and seek to follow the real Jesus rather than the one that suits us and do you uh, do you uh, feel team that uh, in the UK uh, uh, Christian politicians have made much more progress on the race issue than probably uh, some in the US have done well i think we're relatively i mean there's lots of tensions um let's not pretend it's all marvelous i think we're a relatively um successful racially integrated society relatively um but lots of lots of problems still nonetheless i think it's definitely the case um that your average non-white person in the uk probably goes to a place of worship once a week and your average white person in the uk doesn't um um so that's an interesting observation uh, i have no statistical proof to back that up but i believe that to be case the case and i think the other thing i would say is that um despite the fact that the us is you know officially an a, a, a kind of secular society and the uk has a church of england i i think that we are um the thing about being, the thing about being english is we're all very fussy and very nervous about being too keen about anything uh, very reserved it's true and and so it's not a thing people talk about um uh, so so much but i think that in the uk if you're an evangelical christian it's not just a political cultural descriptor um you go to church and you're serious about it and and i think therefore so i i represent a fairly non-diverse part of the uk but i reckon my church on a sunday is comfortably the most diverse part of my entire constituency wow Wow, I mean this uh this has been an in- incredible conversation Tim. I I think you're going to get a lot uh a lot more listeners uh at least in my country <laughs> to to uh, a mucky business your um your your own incredible premiere podcast. Um we we thank you for taking the time to join us. It's an absolute blessing. I will uh I'll put you both on invite. We'd love to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll switch it around. Uh, it'll yes. be good. I think it was great having him on the program and talk to him especially with what he has had to contend with. And I really liked that uh, in his admission that he handled it uh not wisely. By that he meant not fudging the issue. If somebody asks you what's your view, uh you have to be open about it. And you know, I get asked on interviews on human rights circles and everything and what's your view? I said, look, I hold to the biblical view. um but i i i don't i don't judge or i don't insist that all of you have that but this is the view i hold and you need to give me freedom to hold that view yeah i'll i'll tell you bishop i i will take so many things away from this this conversation this is exactly um why we have these conversations there are so many american christians that are so passionate about um about religious freedom about the judeo-christian foundation of the country and yet the political system is just like this hurricane blowing them in every direction and people are figuring out how to balance their faith with the public square and to be engaged or not be engaged the one thing i took away from this uh, this amazing amazing conversation aside from the fact that i'm going to start listening more to um, to, his to, to his podcast is that um Christians in in America uh, have a lot to learn from Christians um, in 
Europe. Uh, as we, as our society diversifies, as our society, um, our society changes, and and I think Tim Farron, I was shocked to hear he ha- he, um, uh, he these keen observations aren't from personal experience in the United States; it's just from just from observation, and maybe that's why uh, the practical advice he was giving giving is so uh, so good. I think Americans who sincerely care about politics because of their values are looking for answers to big questions and we got some of those answers in this conversation and the one thing we need to do is we need to get believing Christians uh, in politics um, in all these countries of the world together to compare notes um, and also I'll say I'll say Bishop you could feel the fruit of the spirit in Tim Farron I mean he's a, this guy's incredibly influential I mean he led his party he's has all these like uh, achievements in nearly 20 years as an elected official um but he's humble very humble and and, and he's not uh, unrealistic you know he knows uh, if as a christian i get into this uh, there is going to be challenges there is going to be you know the cross he has to carry and uh, whatever ceiling it is you, you you need to be ready for it and work through it but not shirk away from it and he certainly doesn't doesn't do that um and his comments about not, uh, you know, it seems that uh, Christians on the left in the United States subtract from the Bible, but Christians on the right in the United States add to the Bible. <laughs> I thought this was a, uh, uh, this was really, really brilliant. And yet he is a person of conviction. You know what this guy believes. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not he's not hiding anything. And I mean, there was just so, so much to learn, uh, so much to learn from this. Uh, it was uh, a memorable conversation. Thank you for joining us today for Babel Undone. If this conversation had you thinking, then why don't you share it with someone else? For more episodes of Babel Undone or other amazing content that helps Christians live out their faith, you should head over to premiere.plus. That's premiere, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, for the Americans listening in, dot plus.